Turn your Bibles to Psalm 103. Psalm 103, we'll be reading that entire psalm. Tomorrow is Memorial Day, and uh, I remember that, and uh, part of the message will be related to that, but uh, this passage tells us to forget not, and so I want to remind you of some things today that we should not forget. Follow in your Bibles as we read Psalm 103. Bless the Lord my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgiveth all thy iniquities and healeth all thy diseases, who redeemeth thy life from destruction, who crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfieth thy mouth with good things, so that thy youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord executeth righteousness and judgment for all that are oppressed. He made known his ways unto, unto his acts unto the children of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and plenteous in mercy. He will not always chide, neither will he keep his anger forever. He hath not dealt with us after our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. For as the heaven is high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward them that fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. Like as a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear him. For he knoweth our frame, he remembereth that we are dust. As for man, his days are as grass, and as a flower of the field he flourisheth. For the wind passeth over it, and it is gone, and the place thereof shall know it no more. But the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting upon them that fear him and his righteousness unto children's children. To such as keep his covenant, and to those that, that remember his commandments to do them. The Lord hath prepared his throne in the heavens, and his kingdom ruleth over all. Bless the Lord, ye his angels, that excel in strength, that hearkening unto the voice of his word. Bless ye the Lord, all ye his hosts, ye ministers of his, that do his pleasure. Bless the Lord, all his works in all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Let's pray. Father, we ask today that you might give enablement to bring this message. I thank you, Lord, for revealing the truth of this passage to us. And I pray that you would help me today as I try to relay that. And I ask, Lord, that you might speak to each heart. It could be that there's a Christian here who has grown cold in their walk with the Lord. I pray that you would encourage that soul and just strengthen them today and help them to have a new desire to follow you and to please you. We have so much for which to be thankful. And then, Lord, we pray for that soul who's not saved, that you might bring them to the Savior today. They might come to you in faith, believing that Jesus died for their sins and rose from the grave, and they might trust you as their Savior. Accomplish your will in this time, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Tomorrow is Memorial Day, and on that day we honor and remember those who gave their lives in military service to our country. In 1966, President Lyndon B. Johnson declared Waterloo, New York as Memorial Day's official birthplace on May the 5th, 1866. Other cities have claimed to be the birthplace of Memorial Day, and some historians uh, believe that uh, it actually started in Charleston, South Carolina in 1865 when freed slaves honored fallen Union prisoners. 
President Ulysses S. Grant oversaw the first large observance held at Arlington National Cemetery in Virginia on May the 30th, 1873. It was first called Decoration Day, and some of you remember that, being called that, and was observed on May the 30th. Until 1968, Congress passed the Uniform Monday Holiday Act so that government workers could get a three-day holiday weekend. (laughs) That's sort of funny, you know. The government does a lot of things to pad their own pockets and to help themselves, but we sort of benefit on that one. But uh, since that, Memorial Day has been observed on the last Monday of May. Memorial Day at first honored those who died in the Civil War, but after World War I, it became a day to remember all who died in service to our country. Therefore, we now remember those who died in the Civil War, World War I, World War II, the Korean War, the Vietnam War, the war in Iraq, and the war in Afghanistan, and there have been many other smaller wars. Many in our country today do not believe that America is worth fighting for. They constantly refer to our country as an evil nation with evil beginnings. Our universities are full of professors who seek to indoctrinate our youth with hatred for our country. You see it in the 1619 Project, You see it in the teaching of CRT, critical race theory, and also in the tearing down of historical monuments. Those of that mindset seek to to pit us against each other by pushing racial division while failing to remember that our country went through a civil war which resulted in the ending of slavery at the cost of many lives for that very purpose. America is free today, and we enjoy freedoms guaranteed by our Constitution because many men and women who loved our country were willing to die in order to gain and protect the freedoms that we enjoy. They deserve our honor, and we should not allow those who hate our country to tear down what they fought for. It is evident that our country is under attack from within today. The enemies of Christian values, moral decency, law and order, equal justice, truth, the Bible, and God must be defeated or our country will no longer stand as a beacon of freedom in this world. Memorial Day is a day when we must remember and not forget why our country has been so blessed. Yes, we honor those who have paid the ultimate price for our freedom. We are thankful for their sacrifice. But the reason our country has been so blessed is because God has chosen to bless us. We owe it all to him. Psalm 33, verse 12 says, Blessed is that nation whose God is the Lord. I know that's particularly speaking of the nation of Israel. It applies today, and there were times in our country in the, in the beginning and uh, later, of course, that this nation seemed to really honor the Lord. And we could say this was a truly Christian nation, and our God was the Lord. Proverbs 14, verse 34 says, Righteousness exalted the nation but sin is a reproach to any people. Today we see sin rampant everywhere, and the Bible says it's a reproach to any people, not just Israel, but to any people, and that includes us. For years, America has been turning away from the Lord, and in the past few years, that decline has been at a breakneck speed. Unless that decline is stopped, we will soon see the end of our great nation and the freedoms that we enjoy, and I I believe that could be pretty soon. But even if our nation falls, we, know, we who know, have trusted Christ as our Savior have a sure foundation and we have a sure hope. Our God is still good. 
No circumstances today will change that. No government leaders will change that. Our God is still good. We as Christians are victorious. We are victorious today, and we will be victorious. Our hope is not in our strength as a nation. Our hope is not in our leaders. Our hope is not in the upcoming election. Our hope is not in our Constitution. Our hope is in the Lord Jesus Christ and Him alone. On Memorial Day as a nation, we should not forget those who died to keep us free. But every day as a Christian, we we should make sure that we forget not our Lord and all His benefits. We read that line in Psalm 103. It says this in verse 2, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His benefits. The scripture tells us in other places, like Deuteronomy 8, verse 11, Beware that thou forget not the Lord thy God in, 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 keep, in, in not keeping His commandments. Second, Second Kings chapter 17, verse 38, And the covenant that I have made with you shall ye not forget. Psalm 78, verse 7, We are not to forget the works of God. The psalmist in Psalm 119, that very lengthy psalm, the largest portion in the scripture. It can't can't really be called a chapter, it's a psalm. And so Psalm 119, in the several verses it says these words, verse 16, verse 83, verse 141, verse 153, and 156. It says about the word of God, it says this, Thy word is truth. Thy word is, is our, uh, thy statutes. It refers to thy precepts, thy law, thy commandments. And so the word of God is where we get the, our benefits from the Lord. That's where we learn about them. We learn about the benefits from the Lord, from the word of God. So when things look dark, when they look discouraging, when they look disappointing, when they look distasteful, look to God's word and be reminded of his benefits. There are many benefits that we have as Christians. When we do that, we will do like David did, and we will bless the Lord. In this psalm, he says, bless the Lord. Verse 1, bless the Lord, O my soul. Bless his holy name. Verse 2, bless the Lord, O my soul. Verse 20, bless the Lord, ye his angels. So the one who's blessing the Lord instructs the angels, look, you need to bless the Lord. Of course they do, but uh, David's telling them that. And then in verse 21, he says, bless the Lord, all ye his hosts. And that's the angels. In verse 22, bless the Lord all his works. And then verse 22, he concludes by saying in the end of the verse, bless the Lord, O my soul. This psalm begins with bless the Lord. It ends with bless the Lord. Bless the Lord, O my soul. The word bless means to adore and to thank the Lord and to praise the Lord. It's an expression of praise to the Lord. Bless the Lord. Psalm 150, verse 6 says, let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. Everybody should praise the Lord. Psalm 146, verse 2 says, While I live, I will praise the Lord. So how long are you supposed to praise the Lord? As long as you live, you're to praise the Lord. And that's going to continue after that as well. And then Psalm 111 says, I will praise the Lord with my whole heart. Not part of me, but my whole heart. Psalm 115, verse 18, We will bless the Lord from this time forth and evermore. So all the days of our life and then evermore we'll bless the Lord. We'll praise the Lord. Psalm 135, verse 3, praise the Lord, for the Lord is good. And then Psalm 107, verses 8, 15, 21, and 31 say this, Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. We need to praise the Lord. 
when things look bad around us, we need to praise the Lord. Why? Because of his benefits. Because of his benefits. It says in verse 2, uh, verse 2, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, or my benefits. Now, what are my benefits as a Christian? What are my benefits as a believer? This psalm tells many of those, and we want to look at them today. First of all, he forgives our iniquities. He forgives our iniquities. Look at verse 3. Who forgiveth all thine iniquities. All thine iniquities. Some of you might feel like you're a pretty good person, you know, but the Lord looks at you and says, there are a lot of iniquities in your life. You see, God considers sin to be iniquity. I don't care if it's, you consider it a little sin. A, a perfect illustration of that is the first sin. What was the first sin that was so bad it made the fall of man happen and cast Adam and Eve out, out of the garden? Disobedience. And what was it? They just ate the wrong fruit. Now, we would think that's, that's not very big, you know, but God says it is. You disobeyed me. You d- didn't do what I told you to do. You did what I told you not to do. And so the Lord says sin is very serious. And he looks at it as iniquity. The word iniquity means lawlessness. It means wickedness. It means something that's twisted and distorted from what it should be. He says he forgives us. The word forgive means to take away and put somewhere else. Praise the Lord. That's what he did. He took our sins away, put it somewhere else. Where did he put it? On Jesus. He put it on Jesus and he died for our sins. The Bible says in Isaiah 53, 6, all we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. Somebody said years ago, if you go into the first all and go out to the second all, you'll be all right. All of sin, agree with that. He has laid upon him the iniquity of us all. Believe that and uh, you'll be okay if you put your trust in Jesus Christ. So the Lord says that, that uh, he heals us or he forgives us from our iniquity. When we trust Christ, our sins will never be remembered against us because he forgives us. He forgives us. He takes them away and doesn't remember them against us anymore. And then another benefit, he says, is he healeth all our diseases. He heals our diseases. This is seen in verse 3. Who healeth all thy diseases. Now, I'm not sure exactly what that means, but I think I have an idea. We could probably include in that physical diseases because it's true, the Lord heals us of all of our diseases. I've lived for 78 years. I've lost track of the times I've been sick, and I haven't been sick that often. I I thank the Lord for that. I'm not sick very often. But some of you have had a lot more sicknesses I have. But you look back through your life, and if you look at all those times that you were sick, and you're here today, guess what? The Lord healed you. (laughs) And then you say, but I know a friend who loves the Lord and he died of a heart attack. Well, what happened when he died of a heart attack? God healed him completely. Sometimes we read the account of, of John the Baptist, you know, he was in prison. And they cut his head off. We think, oh, that's terrible. But when they told Jesus, he didn't say, oh, really? That's awful. John got his head cut off. He didn't say that. He just went on. Why? Because Jesus knew what we don't know. And that is when his head was cut off, it was absent from the body and present with the Lord. He was healed completely. <laughs> he was healed. The Lord heals us of all of our, 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 our physical diseases. Psalm 34 verse 19 says, Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. 
Many of the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. The Lord will heal you of those things. Sometimes God dramatically heals a person. He can do that. It's not too hard for him. He can do anything. But sometimes he doesn't. But still it's true. He will deliver you from all of your afflictions. Now that's one way to look at it. But another way to look at it is this. Maybe those diseases aren't referring to physical diseases. And I want you to notice this. He says, bless the Lord, O my soul. My soul. And all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul. And forget not all of his benefits. Who forgiveth all thy iniquities, who healeth all thy diseases. Uh, Whose diseases? My soul. (laughs) My soul's diseases. I tell you, sin does a number on you, doesn't it? Sin can really mess you up. But when the Lord saves you, he heals you of all those spiritual diseases of sin. And he takes those away. He can take care of guilt and take it away. He can take care of fear, take it away. He can take care of your lusts that you've been controlled by and take that away. He can take care of the addictions that you have. He can take it away. The Lord can heal you of those spiritual diseases. He can take away the hatred that you have in your heart. Because the Lord changes you and makes you a new person. Maybe it was greed or some other thing. And the Lord just removes that. He he heals me of all my diseases. So whether it be physical or whether it be spiritual, the Lord is the one who takes care of the diseases. That's a benefit. And then there's another benefit. He says he redeems our life from destruction. He redeems our life from destruction. Has your life been redeemed from destruction? If you've been saved, it has. You know, sometimes we look at a person and we see a person's life ruined and wrecked with sin and the Christians should look at that person. Maybe it's disgusting what we see and maybe they're doing things that it just turns our stomach to see them do that. But we can say this, but for the grace of God, there go I. If it wasn't for God's grace, I could be in the very same position. Or maybe... You are a person whose life has been wrecked in the past, but God changed you. God take, took you and just restored you to help, and he, he, he rescued your life from destruction. And you're, you're proof of that, what God can do. Or maybe you've come here today, and your life right now is a wreck. Your life is a wreck from sin. I guarantee you the Lord's the one that can rescue you. He can redeem your life from destruction. Redeem means release by the payment of a price. He paid the price on, the, on Calvary, and he can release you from all those effects of sin and the destruction of your life, and he can make a new life for you. God can do that. He's done it over and over and over again. I think of some people in the Bible, Mary Magdalene. We sometimes forget what Mary was. She was a a lady of sin. She was possessed by seven demons, and the Lord cast those demons out of her. And then she became a follower of Jesus, a wonderful lady. In fact, the Lord redeemed her, changed her so much that he saw fit to make her the first witness of the resurrection, Mary Magdalene. And then there's another person whose life was changed. That's the maniac of Gadara. I often call him the worst-case scenario in the New Testament. The maniac of Gadara, he was a a wild man. He was demon-possessed. I mean, there were legions of demons in him. And he was was a wild man. And he didn't wear any clothes. And when he'd put clothes on him, he'd take them all. And then they would chain him to control him. And he'd break those chains. The demons gave him so much power. 
He would cut himself. He was a miserable human being. His life was wrecked. But Jesus saved him. And after he saved him, what happened? We find him clothed, sitting at the feet of Jesus, and in his right mind. God changed him. And if your life is ruined and wrecked, I guarantee you the Lord redeems your life from destruction. But maybe, maybe you've never been through those things. I'd have to say I haven't been. I haven't had my life just ruined and wrecked by sin. Thank the Lord for good parents and good, good instruction when I was a kid. The Lord spared me from some of those things. But that could have been me, and the Lord spared me from that. But it doesn't matter who you are. I know this, that the Lord will de- redeem your life from destruction. Maybe when we get to heaven, the Lord will reveal to us what it would have been if. You know, God knows those things. He knows the past, He knows the present, He knows the future, and He knows what if. And God might reveal to us, or He might say, Earl, if I hadn't saved you, here's what would have happened. God knows all that. He knows what if, if He hadn't saved you. And then you'll know for sure, and you'll see it, and you'll see, I mean, you might know for sure now, but then you'll see it in light. You've never seen it before. He redeemed my life from destruction. The young people today, let me guarantee you, there's, there's an enemy you have. He's called the devil. And he'd take, like to take your sweet life and just destroy it. And he likes to make sin look attractive and, and very desirable. And he'd like for you to follow that. But in the back of his mind, what he has in mind is he wants to destroy your life. Don't follow the devil. Don't ever follow him. Follow the one who loves you, not the one who hates you. And that's the Lord Jesus Christ. He loves you. And he wants to redeem your life so that you'll never experience those things. And God can do that. He's the one who redeemed our life from destruction. Then there's another benefit. Verse 4, the last part of the verse says, He crowns us. He crowns thee with loving kindness and tender mercy. Loving kindness and tender mercy. We can say this, God's been so kind and so merciful to us. Hasn't he? I mean, he's been so kind and so merciful to us. A passage in Ephesians speaks of that, Ephesians chapter 2. And it says this in verse verse 2. says, Wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit now working in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in time past, in the lust of our flesh, the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others, but God. God made the difference. But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ, and by grace you're saved, and hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us, through Christ Jesus. God graciously saved us and he shows his kindness to us every day. And someday we'll be on display as a trophy of God's grace in heaven to show how kind God is. None of us deserve to go to heaven, but we're going to go to heaven because we trusted Jesus and someday the Lord will have us on display. Look what I did for this person. Look what I did for that person. And he'll get all the glory and all the credit. We won't because we didn't have anything to do with it. The Lord's the one that changed us and redeemed us. He crowns us with loving kindness. If you look back through your life, you have to say that God has been very kind and he's been very loving to you. 
God has given, been so good to us. James 1, 17 says, Every good and perfect gift comes down from above, from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Every good gift comes from the Lord. He has given us so much to be thankful for. We do not deserve His goodness. 2 Corinthians chapter 8 says that we know the grace of God, that, you, that, that though He was rich, yet for your sakes He became poor, that ye through His poverty might be rich. We're rich in the Lord. He's given us, He's crowned us with loving kindness and tender mercies, and we need to thank Him for that. And that's one of his benefits. Then there's another benefit. We find it in verse 5. He says, Who, who satisfieth thy mouth with good things, so that thy youth is renewed like the eagle. If you look at various translations, you'll find this translated in different ways. The reason for that is the word mouth is never translated mouth. It's usually translated in some other ways. For some reason, they use the word mouth here. And some believe it means his, your years. And that seems to be uh, what it means because of what it says after that, so that thy youth is renewed like the eagles. And so we could say that maybe he satisfies our years. He satisfies our... Look at verse 5 again. Who satisfies thy mouth or thy years with good things so that thy youth is renewed like the eagles. You see, we who know Christ as our Savior, there's something true of every one of us. And that is we're getting older every day. And you young people, guess what? You're getting old at the same rate that I'm getting old, one day at a time. I started earlier than you did. But someday, if you live long, long enough, you'll get there. And after, the, after all those years, you'll find that your body breaks down. Your body doesn't function like it used to. You have problems that you didn't used to have. Why? Because your body is breaking down. But the Lord says, don't despair. Don't despair. Look at verse 5 again. Who satisfieth thy mouth or thy years with good things, so that thy youth is renewed like the eagles. God blesses us as we get older with good things. And really, the child of God, as they get older, as I've said before, should get sweeter. We should get more humble. We should get less proud. We should be more understanding. And we should be a person who's developed to be a, a wonderful person as the years go by. And as even though we're getting older, the Lord satisfies with good things so that our youth is renewed like the eagles. I believe that God would say to us that uh, even though your outward man perish, like 2 Corinthians 4 verse 16 says, though your outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. We have some folks here today that are older than I am. That's hard to believe, but it's true. <laughs> There's some folks here older than I am. And I found that these folks, that they're sweet people. <laughs> they're good to be, they're, they're people of wisdom. You young people would do well to talk to some of our older folks. You think you know it all, but you don't. <laughs> And they've been through a lot, and they've served the Lord for a long time, and you do well to listen to them and talk to them and ask them for advice because they haven't gotten older and weaker and older and, and uh, less valuable. They've gotten older and stronger inwardly. They've gotten older and more valuable inwardly, and they're of value to us 
I'd hate to think of losing some of our older folks out of this church. They're such a blessing to us. That day will come probably, but, but it, they're such a blessing, and that's the way it should be. And the Lord says, He satisfieth thy mouth with good things, and reneweth thy, thy, and, and thy, thy youth is renewed like the eagles. You've probably read about eagles, how they go through this uh, molting process, and they can become very weak and just, and just like they're going to die, and they go through this process, and they're just brand new again. Now, whether he's referring to that or not, I don't know. But he says, thy youth is renewed like the eagles. So if you're getting older, and most of the people you knew are not here anymore, and you feel like you're alone, let me remind you of something. God has you here for a pers- purpose, and you are strong. Because you've trusted the Lord. You're valuable because you've trusted the Lord. And God has a purpose for you. And our young people need to understand that. God's keeping these older folks around for you for one reason. Because you need them. And I hope that you'll realize that. And then there's another benefit he has. And that is he delivers and guides us. Look at verse 6. The Lord executeth righteousness and judgment for all that are oppressed. Now, when we think of that, being oppressed, we think of Israel in Egypt. They were oppressed. They were slaves. But the Lord delivered them, and he got them out of Egypt. And he says, uh, the Lord executes righteousness and judgment for all that are oppressed. He made known his ways unto Moses. Moses is the one that led them out. His acts unto the children of Israel. God delivered them and guided them. He delivered Israel from Egypt and all that, was, that are oppressed, he will do the same for you. And he guided Moses and the children of Israel, and he will guide us. The Bible says in Proverbs 3, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not into your own understanding. All your ways acknowledge him, and he will direct your paths. A benefit that we have as a child of God is that God's going to deliver us from, from oppression, and he's going to guide us. You might be going through a rough time now, maybe things you don't understand and questions you have in your mind about about the future, but I guarantee you God knows the future and he'll deliver you from any harm and he will direct your paths. All you need to do is follow him. And so the Lord gives us guidance and direction and deliverance. He's also merciful and gracious to us. That's a benefit. Look at verse 8. He says, the Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and plenteous in mercy. Merciful and gracious. Merciful means it has the idea of you deserve something. I mean, like a whipping. <laughs> or you deserve to be cast into hell because of your sin. You deserve that, but mercy says, i hold that back. I won't give that to you. I won't send you to hell. I won't do this, I won't do that, I'm merciful. Grace means God, mercy, withhold what we deserve. Grace extends to us what we don't deserve. And so God withholds the things that we deserve and extends to us the things we don't deserve, like all the blessings he tells us about here, like salvation. We get to go to heaven and not to hell. That's grace, and the Lord's gracious and merciful The Lord is merciful and gracious. He's slow to anger. That means he's patient. And he's plenteous in mercy. Not a little bit of mercy, but a whole lot of mercy. He's plenteous in mercy. And then notice what he says. He will not always chide, neither will he keep his anger forever. He hath not dealt with us after our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. He hasn't given us what we deserve. 
And the Lord says he's, he's, he's a good God. He's a merciful God. He's a gracious God. Now, how do you measure his mercy? How merciful is God anyway? Well, look at verse, verse 11. For as the heaven is high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward them that fear him. As the heaven is high above the earth. Now, I'm not sure the heavens, all that include there, but if you take all the heavens, there's the first heaven, the second heaven, and the third heaven. The third heaven is where God dwells. I mean, we've never found the, the end of the second heaven. They've never discovered where it ends. And if they look any further, they keep finding there's more out there. And so we've never come to the edge of the universe. And beyond that, there's the third heaven. The Lord says, my mercy is so great. I mean, it just can't be measured. As as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his mercy toward them that, that fear him. But then look, look at verse 13. As far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. Think back in your mind of your transgressions. Now, for some of you, that's a nightmare. <laughs> I mean, you think of all the things that the devil got you into, and he delivered you from that. Think of all your tra- transgressions. The Lord says, here's what I did to those. I removed them as far as the east is from the west. Now, how far is the east is from the west? Well, if you head east and you keep heading east the rest of your life, at the end of your life, guess what you'll be doing? Still heading east. You never find the end to it. You're heading east. You're going east. And as you go east, you're still going east. You're going east. You're going east. As far as the east is from the west, the Lord says, I have removed your transgressions so far from you that you cannot find them. And God won't bring them up against you. The Lord says he's taken care of them. He's removed them from you. Aren't you glad of that? I mean, do we have benefits or not? I mean, don't we have this great benefit that the Lord has taken all of our transgression and removed them far from us, and he'll never remember them against us again? Praise the Lord. And he's so gracious. And then he says also about his grace and his mercy, he says he's compassionate. Look at verse 13. Like as a father pitieth his children... So the Lord pitieth them that fear him. I've told my kids on different occasions, and I, I guess they remember this. I do. And I've said this. You can't ever do bad, anything bad enough for me to disown you. You know, I've known parents that have told me, it's not my child anymore. That's not my son anymore. I disown them because of what they did. That'll never happen with my kids. I don't care what they do. And that's the way the Lord is. The Lord will not disown us. We belong to him. We're his children. And he, as we treat our own children with compassion, even when they fail, you might have to give them a spanking, but even when they fail, if you're a good parent, you love them in that process, and you love them through that process. You love them unconditionally. You love your children. The Lord loves his children as a father pitieth his children so the Lord pitieth those that love him, that he loves. So the Lord is, is, has compassion. That pity means compassion, as compassion as a father. Also, our frailty is overcome by his everlasting mercy. Look at verse 14. Again, speaking of the mercy of God. For he knoweth our frame, he remembereth that we are dust. You ever failed the Lord and you look in the mirror and say, Oh, Lord, I'm so sorry. Why did I do that again? 
The Lord says, I understand you. I remember your dust. I remember your weak. I know that. I made you. And you rebelled against me. And the result of that is the condition you're in right now. I remember that. He knoweth our frame. He remembereth that we are dust. As for man, his days are as grass and as, fly, as a flower of the field, so he flourisheth, but when the wind bloweth over it, it is gone, and the place thereof shall know it no more. Now, someday, unless the Lord returns soon, all of us will go by the way of death. And you might have lived 30 years, 40 years, 50 years, 60 years, 70 years, 80 years, 90, 100. Might have lived all that time. But what happens is you live here for a while and then you die and you can't be found. You're gone. And even if you live 100 years, the Lord says our, our life is just a, just a little thing. It's just like a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes away and your life is over. But the Lord says this, I want to remind you, your life on this earth might be over, but your life is not over. <laughs> because he says this, for the wind passeth over and is gone, and the place thereof shall know it no, But the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting. God's not merciful to himself. He's merciful to us. And our, his mercy is everlasting. So when we die, his mercy continues. We don't have to, we don't die and go out and say, oh no, I'm going to face the Lord. As a Christian, the Lord's already dealt with your sin, and his mercy to you will be for everlasting, for all time. For everything, all in the future, he's, his mercy is everlasting. The mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting upon them that fear him and, and his righteousness unto children's children. Throughout all eternity, we'll have God's mercy. Throughout all eternity, we'll have God's righteousness applied to our account. So he will never turn against us because we're clothed in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Wow, that's a benefit. How good that is to know the Lord's mercies are so deep and so wide and so extensive that we never have to worry about getting out of his mercy. And then finally, another benefit is that our God is sovereign. Look at verse 19. The Lord hath prepared his throne in the heavens and his kingdom ruleth over all. His throne's in the heavens, not on this earth. His throne is in the heavens and his kingdom ruleth over all. I know there's coming a time when he's going to have a, an earthly kingdom for a thousand years and his throne will be on, in Jerusalem for that thousand year millennial reign of Christ. But today, he still reigns. And after that millennial reign of Christ, he'll still reign. Because, and, and it says, his throne's in the heaven and he ruleth over all. Verse 19 again, the Lord hath prepared his throne in heaven and his kingdom ruleth over all. Everywhere. He rules. Over everyone, he rules. There are people who shake their fists at God and don't believe in God, and they reject God, and they reject everything about him. And, but he still rules. And uh, I was disturbed the other day. I, was, you know, I, I watch Fox News sometimes, at least less lately. But um, there's a guy, a lawyer that's on there quite often, Greg Jarrett, and he wrote a book. And the book's entitled The Greatest Trial in History or something like that. And it refers back to the the monkey trial back in Tennessee, the Scopes trial. And they were interviewing him on the radio the other day, and I thought, I wonder what his book says. And on that interview, he said this. The lawyer, William James, James Bryan, I think it was, he said that uh, 
Evolution, the teaching of evolution, contradicted the Bible. And Greg Jarrett said this. No, it doesn't. <laughs> and I thought, oh, Greg Jarrett, I thought a lot of you. <laughs> but now I'm not so sure. <laughs> You've got that messed up. I don't care who says it. The Bible is true, and evolution does contradict the Bible. <laughs> but uh, well, I don't know how I got onto that, but anyway. The Lord rules over all. A person might think they're smart and they know more than God knows, but no, God rules over all. You remember Nebuchadnezzar, I think we'll probably see Nebuchadnezzar in heaven someday, and I believe that because of what he said. You see, there was a process that Nebuchadnezzar went through, and it seemed like he learned more each time, but that final process in chapter 4 of Daniel, he says this in verse, verse 34, and at the end of the days, I, Nebuchadnezzar, that's after he lost his mind, and you know, God put him out. He was eating grass like an oxen. And, but finally he came back to his mind. They restored his kingdom to him. At the end of the days, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted up mine eyes unto heaven, and my understanding returned unto me. And I bless the Most High, and I praise and honor him that liveth forever, whose dominion is an everlasting dominion. His kingdom is from generation to generation, and all the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing. And he doeth according to his will in the army of heaven among the inhabitants of the earth, and none can stay his hand or say unto him, What doest thou? Now, Nebuchadnezzar just gave a good description of what the Lord's talking about here, and that is he rules over all. God's the ruler. And so he says he rules over all. And then he says his angels obey him. Look at verses 20 and 21. Bless the Lord, all ye his angels that excel in strength. I mean, they're more powerful than we are by far. They excel in, excel in strength. Bless the Lord, uh, all, ye, all ye his angels that excel in strength and do his commandments, hearkening unto the voice of his word. They do what God tells them to do. And then verse 21 also, I think, speaks of the angels. Bless the Lord, ye, all ye his host, ye ministers of his that do his pleasure. You see, angels are much stronger than we are. They probably know a lot more than we do. But with all that strength and all that knowledge, guess what they do? They listen to God and do what he says, and they do his pleasure, anything he tells them to do, gladly. How foolish it us is us, how foolish we are when we are weak and sinful and frail and we rebel against God. And a lot of people like that today, rebelling against God. How foolish when angels in all their strength know better and they do what God tells them to do willingly and they do his pleasure. We as Christians should do the same thing. And he is sovereign. All his works in all places and of his dominion will bless him. Verse 22 says, all his works in all places uh, will bless him. Knowing he rules over all, should bring joy and adoration and praise to our hearts because all obey him. The Bible says all his works. Now, you wonder what his works consist of. Well, the Bible says in six days God created the heavens and the earth and all that in them is. God made everything. And God says everything's going to praise him. Let me read it to you in Psalm 148. It says this, that everything's going to praise the Lord. Psalm 148, 
Praise ye the Lord. Praise ye the Lord from the heavens. Praise him in the heights. Praise ye him, all his angels. Praise ye him, all his hosts. Praise ye him, all the moon. Praise him, the sun and the moon. Praise him, all ye stars of light. Praise him, ye heavens of heavens, ye waters that be above the heavens. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for he commanded and they were created. He hath also established them forever and ever. He hath made a decree which shall not, they shall not pass. Praise the Lord from the earth, ye dragons and all deeps, fire and hail, snow and vapor, stormy wind fulfilling his, his, his word, mountains and all hills, fruit, fruitful trees and cedars, beasts and all cedars and all cattle, creeping things, flying fowl, kings of the earth and all the people, princes, all the kingdom of the earth, both young men and maidens, both old men and children. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for his name alone is excellent. His glory is above the earth and the heavens. Who's going to praise the Lord? Everything. Every living thing, every object, everything that God makes is going to praise the Lord. You remember the Lord, time the Lord uh, said, if, if they don't praise the Lord, the rocks will cry out. And the stones will praise me. And I believe that's true. All of creation praise the Lord. So if God's creation, everyone, even the strongest, the angels praise the Lord, how foolish it is for us not to do it. We should be glad. We should with joy in our hearts and adoration to him praise the Lord. Even though we have troubles all around us, the Lord says we should praise him. The Bible reminds us in Hebrews chapter 13, be content with such things as you have, for he has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. The almighty God who rules everything will never leave us nor forsake us. So we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what man shall do unto me. So Christians today, forget not. Forget not all his benefits. What are his benefits? He forgives our iniquities. He heals our diseases. He redeems our life from destruction. He crowns us with loving kindness and tender mercies. He satisfies us with good things. He delivers us and guides us. He is merciful and gracious to us. And he is our sovereign God. And all God's people are to bless the Lord and praise him. Things might be falling apart in our country, it seems that way. But one thing we know for sure, the Lord's the victor and he rules. And we are victorious if we know Jesus Christ as our Savior. Let's pray. Father, thank you today for reminding us of your benefits. Lord, you're such a good God. You're so good to us. Your mercies are so high. Your forgiveness, Lord, is so much that you take our transgressions and take them away as far as the east is from the west. And we praise you for that. But Lord, there's somebody here, might be someone here today who's never trusted Christ as their Savior. If that's true, I pray that today they would turn to you, help them to realize how foolish it is to rebel against the sovereign God. Use your word to speak to our hearts, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's all stand as we sing.